0: Welcome to the Church 214 Podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. He is for you, amen? I I said he is for you. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that he is absolutely, madly, in love with you, that he is so for you. I think we need to be reminded of that about every five minutes. And there is no place on this planet Earth that I would rather be this morning than with this family. What's coming out of this remnant is going to be incredible. It already is. It already is. And God wants to speak to his remnant this morning. He wants to prophesy to them. He wants to comfort you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to encourage you this morning. Um, I just have a a burning word on my heart to give you this morning, uh, to give myself. See, some of you think that you're failing. Some of you think that you've missed your opportunity. Some of you believe that you are too far gone. God to use you. You think that God couldn't possibly use you as part of His remnant. And that's where you and I, if we're thinking those thoughts, we're absolutely dead wrong. He is all about you, He is for you. And He's going to use the chaff that blows off of you as He's winnowing His church, you and me, to reveal the seed, the word that is inside of you that's going to be planted underground, and it's going to blossom up and bear much fruit. We're going to uh, talk about Revelation today. Revelation 12, actually, if you've got your Bibles. Uh, It's been a theme, and if if you've noticed my messages since January, I've been reading and studying Revelation, and it's um, just an amazing book. There's actually nothing new in Revelation, Revelation just takes the rest of the 65 books that the Word of God speaks and it, 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 adds, it adds color to it. It adds uh, enlightenment to it. And I think it's such a misunderstood book because we use it as a crystal ball and it's actually intended to be the, the most discipleship book of the Bible. Saying that he who is faithful and true, he's calling you to be faithful and true. And to, and to press into him more. The letters to his churches. How John first meets Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. And if you didn't hear the um, the message I preached on our first week of Underground or, or in the Underground series on Revelation 1, I'd encourage you to go back and watch that. Uh, it's, it gives you the foundation for how Revelation starts. It's, it's absolutely incredible. The word Revelation in the Greek is, is the word apocalypse. And it's a Greek word that when we think of apocalypse, we think of end times, nuclear explosions, all this kind of thing. That's not what it means at all. It simply means the unveiling. God is wanting to pull the curtain back and let you see what is really going on. He wants you to glimpse, uh, have a glimpse of the unseen realm. There's so much more that's going on than meets the eye. He says so many times to John, he says, look, see, Behold. See if you take revelation and you read it uh, chronologically, if you try to understand it historically um, from front to back, you're going to completely be confused, because it's not in chronological order. In the first chapter, um, God describes himself. He says, "I'm the God who is and who was and who is coming." See it? It happened. It's happening. And it's going to happen. You have to understand Revelation in that context. The God who was, who is, and who's coming. Revelation 12 is the center point, the axis that, that the entire book of Revelation hangs on. It's right in the middle, but it's the central theme. And actually the first verse is actually chronologically, historically, in the way we think of time, the first event that happens. In fact, even before creation, this happens. Somewhere in that Genesis 1 neighborhood is where we pick up the Revelation 12 story. It's about a war that's beyond all wars. It's a cosmic war. It describes a war in heaven and a war on earth that ends up being one on earth, actually. And, and it reminds us that earth and heaven are, are com- completely connected. You know, Jules, my daughter, my 10 year old daughter, we were driving the other night, and I don't know if you've noticed the clouds have been beautiful like the last little while. And we were kind of looking at the clouds, and she says, That is, is heaven like just beyond the clouds? And we had this discussion about heaven. I said, Jules, do you realize right now that because you are a follower of Jesus, because his spirit has sealed you, your, his spirit has sealed your spirit, your spirit right now is seated in those heavenly realms with Jesus. Your earthly body is connected already to those heavenly realms. Right after Jesus tells Peter to build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, Jesus says this to Peter and us. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. That's a whole message in and of itself. That's just one example that heaven and earth are intricately connected. And you are in the middle of that connection. Okay, Revelation 12. We're going to do some expository teaching today. Going to go front to back, top to bottom. Revelation 12, verse 1. It's going to be on the screens if you don't have it in your Bibles. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, but you can read from whatever translation makes you happy. Verse 1, then an astonishing miracle sign appeared in heaven. I saw a woman clothed with the brilliance of the sun, and the moon was under her feet. She was wearing on her head a victor's crown of 12 stars. One of the things you have to understand about Revelation is it's pictures that describe, it's, it's an image that describes what's actually going on. So is there actually a woman clothed with the sun, her feet on the moon, and a crown of, of uh, 12 stars in her crown? No. It's a picture of what's going on. But, but, but try to get a glimpse of what, what the Lord is revealing to John. He sees this woman in full radiance, clothed in the brilliance of the sun. That's crazy. She's standing on the moon. She's wearing a victor's crown of 12 stars. That's, that's a sight to behold in John's vision. That woman is actually a symbol for you and me, the church of Jesus Christ, the people of God from all time. That's who that woman signifies from before and after the coming of Jesus Christ. It's a representation of Israel, which is the church in the Old Testament, the 12 stones in her crown signify the 12 tribes of Israel. It's a representation of the 12 apostles that started the New Testament church. The woman is a bride of Christ. That woman is a representation of you and me. So as we go through this chapter, remember, you're the woman. The brilliance of the sun shines through you. The moon is under your feet. And a victor's crown of 12 stars, a victor's crown. You've already won the victory through Jesus Christ. There's also some other meaning here. Do you remember a guy named Joseph in the Old Testament? Remember him? He was the son of Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Jacob's sons, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And his sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph actually had two uh, sons who became tribes from him, a double portion. And Joseph had a dream, if you remember, when he was in his younger days, a little immature, but it was a dream from God. And God showed him this dream that the sun, the moon, and the other 11 stars were all bowing down to him. And John would know when he sees this vision, that signifies Israel, that signifies the church, that signifies the remnant He would have known that. It's very important to understand that. We'll come back to Joseph near the end of the message. Verse 2, the woman was pregnant, and she was crying out in labor pains in the agony of giving birth. Verse 3, consider this, another astonishing miracle sign appeared in heaven. I saw a huge, fiery red dragon with ten horns, seven heads, each wearing a royal crown. He was wearing seven royal crowns. Again, it's symbolic. There's not an actual fiery red dragon. But the dragon represents the evil one. His name is Satan. He's very real. Both ten and seven are the numbers of completeness. And so John's seeing this vision of ten horns, which means strength. This dragon is completely strong. Seven heads. Heads are mean authority. He has complete authority only Asterisk only by the will of God on this earth. Seven royal crowns. Crowns are wealth. This dude is very wealthy and powerful. Verse 4 The dragon's massive tail swept across the sky and dragged away a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to earth. This dragon had extreme influence. Before he was named Satan, before he was cast down to earth, his name was Lucifer. He had great authority in heaven, but he tried to exalt himself above God. He sinned before Adam sinned. His influence of sin caused a third of the stars, a third of the angels, to be cast down to earth with him. A third of the angels exalted themselves, along with Lucifer, against the Most High God. They said, I will go higher than God, and they were cast down to earth. It's interesting, actually, because six times in this chapter, John says he's cast down, he's thrown down, he's cast down, he's thrown down. He's trying to get the point across to you and me, the woman, the church, that our archenemy, the, the devil, has been cast down. There's no doubt about it. Six is also the number of man. He's thrown down to earth. John's emphatically making this point. Our enemy has been thrown out of heaven. Amen? But I'm sure John would also have remembered this. As much fun as he had writing that six times, he would have remembered this back in Luke 10 when Jesus told him that when the 72 disciples returned, they reported to Jesus. They said, Lord, this is incredible. Even the demons obey us when we use your name. And then he said this, he said, yes, I saw Satan fall like lightning. But look, I have given you all authority over the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Here's what you rejoice. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. His name, Lucifer's name was erased from heaven. Your names, if you believe on Jesus, your name is written in heaven. You can rejoice for that. I think we should give God a praise for that right now. So we've got this woman representing you and me, the church. We've got this dragon representing the, our archenemy, Satan. The second half of verse 4, and the dragon crouched before the woman who was about to give birth poised to devour the baby the moment it was born. Here we see the woman's also a picture of Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is perhaps right now the greatest Christmas story ever that I've found. This is just, this gives you an insight of revelation of of God just pulling back the curtain to say, church, this is what was really going on. When you celebrate Jesus and his birth and gifts and all this Nice, cuddly stuff in December. This is what was really going on. There was a cosmic war. There was a cosmic battle. This is why Christmas is so important. If you remember the Christmas story, you'll remember that Herod the Great was the king, right? And he gave this order under demonic influence to kill every baby boy two years of age or under because he'd heard that the king of the Jews was coming. Well, who gave him that idea? I would say our archenemy, the devil, gave him that idea. There was a demonic force behind that. And if you remember, God gave Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, he gave him a dream that warned him of this evil, and they were able to escape to Egypt with Jesus. A couple of other things. If, you, if you've read the Gospels, we know that Matthew and Luke contain the story of, of the birth of Jesus. And John, who's writing Revelation, when he starts his gospel, the book of John, he just starts with Jesus in his adult life. Remember that? And I find it so interesting, so cool, that he actually, in Revelation, gets insight to get to write about the Christmas story in Revelation. I just thought that was a cool thing. Here's the other thing. When you and I see evil rise up on the earth, it's reacting to the presence of Jesus. I think this is huge for us right now. When, when, the, when the boy, the man-child Jesus was with being born into the world in Bethlehem, in that stable that night, evil reacted, caused Herod to try to kill every baby boy two years of age or under. The same is true right now. The same, this is what you can hold on to. Demonic forces are rearing their heads in 2020, Right? Anybody with me? They are reacting to what is coming. They are reacting to the presence of Jesus. So we can actually celebrate because the demonic forces are reacting. Then we can react because we know that he is coming. He's soon coming. Our king is coming. He's about to be coming again. His manifest presence is here by the very nature of of this manifest evil reacting, we can be more and more expectant for the presence of Jesus in our lives. Amen? Heaven is connected to earth. Earth is connected to heaven. Verse five. She gave birth to a man-child who was about to rule and shepherd every nation with an iron scepter. And her son was caught up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness where God had already prepared a safe place for her, and there they nourished her for 1,260 days. So that's like the quickest version of Jesus' life on earth ever. (laughs) He goes, birth, ascension, done. 1 Timothy, Paul writes it like this in 1 Timothy. I think this gives us more insight. He says, for the mystery of righteousness is truly amazing. He was revealed as a human being and at the same time as our great high priest in the spirit. Angels gazed upon him as a man and his glorious message of his kingly rulership is being preached to the nations. Many have believed in him and he has been taken back to heaven. He has ascended into the place of exalted glory in the heavenly realm. Yes, this is the great mystery of righteousness. So she gave birth to this man-child, Jesus, who's about to rule and shepherd every nation with an iron scepter. And her son was then caught up with God and to his throne. The birth of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, all in one sentence. He was revealed as a human being. And then he was revealed as our great high priest. Think about it this way. If you're an angel and you've, you've, your job, your role is to worship at the throne, the foot of God, day and night without ceasing. And all of a sudden, that same great king, all of a sudden, takes his kingship and demotes himself to become a man, wraps himself in flesh, and is born as a baby in a stable out back in Bethlehem. Can you imagine what the angels, I mean, it gives new insight to the Christmas story. They, they could probably couldn't contain themselves. Remember the shepherds at night, that, that same night, and the angels came, and they're like, glory to God in the highest. It says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared in the radiant splendor before them, lighting up the entire field with the blazing glory of God. And the shepherds, of course, were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for I'm, I've come to bring you good news. This is the best news ever. This is why we celebrate in December. This is why we celebrate his birth. There's way more going on than meets the eye. I've got the most joyous news in the world. It's for everyone, everywhere. For today in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born. He is the Lord, Yahweh, the Messiah, the one you've been waiting for. You'll recognize him by this. You'll find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a feeding trough. That's the king of kings that those angels had been worshiping without ceasing before his throne. And all of a sudden he transported himself down to a dusty, dirty planet and clothed himself in our skin. And then all at once, a vast number of angels appeared in the night sky, an army of heaven, and they were all praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest realms of heaven, for there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. And When the choir of angels disappeared, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's hurry and find this word that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed To us, And so they ran into the village and they found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was baby Jesus lying in a manger. And see, as excited as the heavenly hosts were for that moment, it also stirred up the demonic hosts, didn't it? Satan did everything he could to stop the entrance of the king of kings into the world. He stirred up a king. He stirred up King Herod to kill every baby, boy, two years of age or under to try to stop the arrival of the King of Kings. It makes you wonder, the evil that is stirred up right here and now in our world, what is behind the curtain? What God is trying to reveal to us? Because to me, it just means that the presence of Jesus is here. The presence of Jesus is getting stronger. Something is happening something is shifting evil would not be this stirred up unless heaven was coming to earth once again verse 7 revelation 12 then a terrible war broke out in heaven michael and his angels fought against the great dragon the dragon and his angels fought back but the dragon remember how much power he had in the first in the second verse But the dragon did not have the power to win, and they could not regain their place in heaven. So the great dragon was thrown down once and for all. He was the serpent, the ancient snake called the devil and Satan who deceives, who deceives, who deceives, who deceives the whole earth. He was cast down into the earth and his demon angels among them. The ancient snake. The devil, he's real, you have an enemy, he has power, but he's been defeated. You're the one wearing the victor's crown. And Satan's punishment, now that he's on earth, is to be trampled underfoot of you, under the foot of the woman. He tried to exalt himself above God. He wanted to be like God. Now his punishment is to be trampled on, stepped on by you and I. Genesis 3, check this out, Genesis 3, 14. This is just after Adam and Eve had sinned. They'd listened to the old serpent who had questioned God. Questioning God, that's what what Satan does. He takes the truth and he twists it. Did God really say? Did he really say that? Yeah, he did. And we have to remember that. He's the one that deceives the world, deceives the world. We have to renew our minds with the truth of God. Genesis 3.14, then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. This is why I don't have snakes. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you will live. And I will cause, check this out, and I will cause hostility between you and who? The woman. He's not talking about Eve. Well, he's talking about her offspring, you and me. He will strike your head, the woman will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. He's not talking about just a snake and a woman. He's talking about Satan and the church, the bride of Jesus Christ, you and me. That old snake, that old serpent, he will strike at your heel. He will. But you can stomp on his head you have the authority and the power in the name of Jesus Christ to stomp on his head. You will crush his head. But he's going to prevent try to prevent you from stepping forward. He's going to do his best to nip at your heel. You've got to crush his head in your life, others' lives. But here's the promise, the church of Jesus Christ will not fail. It won't. We're the ones that are actually on the offensive. We're the ones that should be pushing back the gates of hell. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. But we have to step forward in that truth. Verse 10 of Revelation 12. Then I heard a triumphant voice in heaven proclaiming, Now salvation and power are set in place, and the kingdom reign of our God and the ruling authority of his anointed one are established praise God, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who relentlessly accused them day and night before our God has now been defeated, cast out once and for all. Remember, it's, it happened, it's happening, it's going to happen, okay? You have to read it in context. There will be a final day where Satan is judged and thrown out forever. He doesn't have power over you now. He can nip at your heel, but you need to crush his head. But there will be that day of final judgment. Verse 11, we've talked about this the last few weeks. They, that's you and you and me, they conquered him completely through the blood of the lamb, that's Jesus Christ, and the powerful word of Jesus' testimony in and through you. And they triumphed because they did not love and cling to their own lives, even when faced with death. You win because You have the blood of the lamb, Jesus. The word of your testimony is so powerful. Katie's testimony last week, a few weeks ago when up on this stage, it's not just about the stage, it's the testimony of Jesus at your workplace. It's the testimony of Jesus at your dinner table. It's the testimony of Jesus as you're walking down the street. It's the testimony of Jesus coming in and through you. You are that woman that is brilliantly clothed with the sun, your feet on the moon. You are seated in heavenly places. And you have the victory crown that you're already wearing. So act like it. Walk in it. Step in it. Verse 13. Now, when the dragon realized that he'd been cast down to earth, he set off in pursuit of the woman who had given birth to the man child. See, he realized he couldn't touch the man child anymore. He tried. Remember, he tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. He took... his own words of Jesus, the the own words of the scripture and tried to twist them against Jesus. It didn't work. And then he thought he had him on the cross, but the cross was actually a defeat of Satan in the heavenly realms. It's what we're just talking about right here and now. So who's he gonna go after? The woman, you and me. That's his mission from now until the end of days. That's why we cannot give the, the, the devil a foothold a place, ground in our life. It's so important. We've talked about this before. We have to root up things in our life, bitterness. It just takes a small seed, jealousy, offense. Oh man, offense. That's a seed that the devil is using to try to get ground in your life. We've got to rip that out, continually be weeding the garden of our hearts. Verse 14, but the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman so that she could fly and escape into the wilderness to her own special place where she was nourished for a time and times and half a time away from the face of the dragon. See, God provides an escape. God provides a rescue. Remember Isaiah, the verse in Isaiah 40? But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. The two great wings of the eagle were given to you. You'll soar on wings like eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. There's a pace that you need to run with. You'll walk and not be faint. You're still supposed to step forward, even when it's tiring. You have kingdom ground to take. We have ground to take against the enemy but the Lord will renew your strength. That is a promise. There are times of rest that he gives you so that you can continue stepping forward after him. Amen? Verse 15. Then the dragon spewed from his mouth a raging river of water to sweep her away with the flood. But the earth came to the rescue of the woman and at once opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. I love this. The earth came to our rescue. Remember, it happened, it's happening, it's going to happen. Do you remember the story of the Israelites at the Red Sea? Right? Yes? They were stuck, they were freed from Egypt, but then, then Pharaoh and his army came after them. And God did this miracle. They walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. What happened to the enemy after they'd walked through? The earth, the sea swallowed them up. The earth comes to your rescue. That's, I think we're going to see some amazing Red Sea stories. Whether it's in this generation or more generations, we're going to see Red Sea stories once again, where the earth swallows up what the enemy means for evil. It just takes hold of it and grabs it. It says, remember in Romans, it says all creation, the earth, the trees, the sky, the sea, it's all groaning. It's, it's groaning like you and I should be. It's waiting for instruction from the Lord. It's praising God. They have, it's creation too. You know, you, you're just a pile of dirt. There's just two things that separate you from a pile of dirt. It's that God formed you and molded you, which is incredible into his image. And then he breathed his spirit into you. But he can also command another pile of dirt to do whatever he wants. The earth swallowed up the devil's attack. I love it. It's crazy stuff, I know. But it happened, it's happening, and it's going to happen. The word of God is alive and active. Red Sea stories still happen today. It happened, it's happening, it's going to happen. The God who is and who was and who is coming. I mentioned Joseph's dream earlier. And I want to just take a moment. I believe that dreams that God's given you are being attacked in this season. And you feel like there's a delay. You feel like you've given up on the dream that God's given you. Remember Joseph? He had that dream. He was excited. And his brothers took offense at him so much so that they threw him into a pit, left him for dead, then sold him as a slave to Egypt. For years, I'm sure Joseph struggled with, I wonder if that really was God's dream for my life. As he's a slave, as he's in prison, and then finally one day. I believe that God is about to breathe on your one day again. I believe that just because you've given up on the dreams God gave you doesn't mean he's given up on them. There's dreams that are about to be reignited in this place. And I think some of you need to hear that. Acts 2, this is what I'm going to do in the last days. What did he say? I'm going to pour out my spirit on all people. Cause your sons and daughters to prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams from God. The Holy Spirit will come on all my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy and I will reveal startling things, wonders in the sky and mighty miracles on the earth below. I believe that God is going to reveal himself on the dreams he gave you years ago that you've given up on. Let's just take a moment, just bow your heads for a moment. If that's you, if, if you've given up on a dream that God's given you, I just want you to open your hands to him right now. Just open up your hands to him right now. This is for you, I'm going to prophesy over you. Doesn't matter how small the dream is, how big the dream is, how long ago the dream was, maybe it was last night, maybe it was 30 years ago but you just can't have the faith to know that that God's going to work that out because he does it on his time, not your time. Your job is to be faithful, faithful, faithful. He's the faithful and true one, and he's going to work it out. This is for you. This is what the psalmist wrote about Joseph, about that same dreamer. He said, God said to them, I'll give you a land of Canaan as your inheritance. They were very few in number when God gave them that promise. They were all foreigners in that land. They were wandering from one land to another, from one kingdom to another. Yet God would not permit anyone to touch them. That's you. He's not going to permit anyone to touch or snatch your dream away from you. Punishing even kings who came against them. He said to them, don't you dare lay a hand on my anointed ones. And don't do a thing to hurt my prophets. So God decreed a famine upon Canaan land, cutting off their food supply. This is what I want you to hear. Those with your hands open right now. I want you to hear this. This was about Joseph. God said, but he had already sent a man ahead of his people. He had already sent a man ahead to his people. He'd sent a man ahead to to Egypt. It was Joseph who was sold as a slave. His feet were bruised by strong shackles, and his soul was held by iron. God's promise to Joseph purged his character. That's what you're going through right now. It's the winnowing season. His promise to Joseph purged his character until it was time for his dreams to come true. Some of you think you have failed. Some of you think God forgot about his dreams to you. He didn't. You were sent ahead. And it's painful and it's brutal, but you were sent ahead. You are the remnant, the seed that has been sent ahead. I believe this church, Church 214, has been sent ahead of the church of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that pridefully. I'm saying we've been sent ahead. We've been given instruction. And sometimes we have to walk through pain to get to the promise. But what Jesus promised to you and to me, he's going to fulfill. What he promises, he is faithful to complete. Jesus needed you to blaze a path to Egypt. And it's not flashy. It's not sexy. It's not in the highlight reel. It's not in the the limelight. It's not on a stage. But it's victory in the hidden places. That's what you're called to. That's where his dream is going to be fulfilled in you right now in Jesus' name. That's what the remnant of Jesus Christ needs to hear. We don't seek the stage, we don't seek the spotlight, we seek one name, his name is Jesus. He's the name above every name. Thank you, Jesus, for breathing your spirit on dreams once again. Thank you that you are fulfilling them even through the pain. Thank you for these outstretched hands that are saying, breathe once again, Jesus, on my dream. You haven't forgotten me. I might feel like I'm in a prison, but you're headed to the palace. Stay faithful. Stay true. Amen. Your faithfulness allows others to follow you. Your faithfulness allows others to follow you. You've been sent ahead. It's an amazing thing. That's why there's no place on earth I'd rather be right here, right now, stepping forward with you. Revelation 12, verse 17. Then the dragon became enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the remnant of her offspring who follow the commands of God and have the testimony of Jesus. That's where we find ourselves right now. You're the remnant and you're at war, but he's already won the victory. Jesus has already won the victory. You can be certain of that. Verse 18, and the dragon took his stand on the sand of the seashore. Like it's interesting that he's standing on sand. What did Jesus say about that? You're standing on the rock. The dragon is taking his stand. And the only question is, will you take your stand? This is what Paul writes in Ephesians 6 about the whole armor of God. This is what he writes. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so when that day of evil comes, that you, the church of Jesus Christ, that you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything else, keep standing. Keep standing. The devil's taking his stand. The remnant's going to take their stand. When you have done everything, some of you feel like you're at the end of your rope. When you have done everything to stand, stand. Stand. If there's one message you need to hear today, when you have done everything to stand, stand. Why don't you stand with me? You have an enemy, but he's a defeated enemy. He's an angry enemy because he knows his time is short, he knows the truth most of the time better than you do. And he's making a stand. But the church is also going to make a stand. The woman, that's you and me, clothed in the brilliance of the sun. You have the light of the, you are the light of the world. The light of the world, Jesus is shining through you. There's nothing more brilliant than the sun that we know of, except he is. That's why he gives John that picture. You're clothed in the brilliance of the sun. You're standing on the moon. You are seated in heavenly places with him. You are above the fray. You are above where the enemy is. And you have the victor's crown that Jesus has given you. You are the church of Jesus Christ. When you've done everything to Stand. Stand. Why don't you pray with me? I don't know what place you find yourself in today. I don't know what pit you find yourself in today like Joseph. What shackles are on your feet like Joseph? Maybe you've allowed them to be put there, those chains. Maybe God's just allowed you to be there until his dream is revealed in and through you. But no matter your circumstances, your enemy has taken a stand. But you're going to take a stand. And when he throws everything at you, and you're standing, you keep standing. Because you're above him and you crush his feet, or you crush his head with your feet. That's you, the beautiful bride of Christ. That is you. Do not settle for the lie that you're anything less. You are the glorious, redeemed bride of Christ. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's how he sees you. I want you to say this with me out loud like you mean it. Say, I am, victorious. I am victorious. I am the remnant. I am remnant. I've been sent ahead. I, sent ahead. I, shine like I shine like the brilliance of Jesus. I am seated in heavenly places. I, heavenly places. I, overcame, the I overcame the evil one by the blood of the Lamb, by the, of the, Lamb. By the word of my testimony. And I don't love my life even to death. I I want to prophesy over you now and that simply means I want to strengthen you. I want to encourage you. I want to comfort you. The God who is, the God who was, the God who is coming. It happened, it's happening and it's going to happen. I believe that God is raising up certain people in this generation, this remnant generation, this revival generation. And I'm going to read to you some people from the past that you're going to recognize, but that spirit of God that lived in them also lives in you. And so when you hear who you are, I want you to step forward. i want you to come right forward to the front here. This is, this is, this is significant. This is you breaking things off, breaking lies that your accuser tells you. Because God tells you, no, you're something else. You're not done. I'm not finished with you yet. You may feel like you're in the pit. You may feel like you're in prison. I've got the palace reserved for you. you got to walk through some pain to get to the promise, but it's okay. So when you hear who you are, you step forward. Maybe there's multiple things, but I'm going to declare this over you right now. Jesus, I pray for Daniels to rise up. Daniels that have wisdom in a dark age, that can speak to kings, speak the truth to kings, that can defy kings when needed, that can live past one king and serve four kings. Daniels are rising up right now. If that's you, step forward. I prefer young men and women like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that would literally take a stand that are literally going to stand against the evil one. And they're going to feel rejected, and they're going to put in, be put in the fire, but you're in the fire, Jesus. Who's in the fire with Jesus? Step forward, if that's you. God, we pray for Joseph's to rise up. People who feel like their dreams have been crushed. You haven't gone anywhere. You're still breathing on that dream. You're igniting that dream this morning again. You're saying it's not over. It's just beginning. It's just starting. Joseph, step forward. Get up here. You've been sent ahead, Joseph. You've been sent ahead to lead my remnant forward. That's you, Joseph. God, would you raise up Caleb's. Caleb's who are so strong that even in their latter days, they have the strength of a warrior, just like in their youth. Caleb, step forward. Joshua's step forward who say, as for me and my house, I'm gonna serve the Lord. There is no, no way I'm gonna serve anything but Jesus. I'm 100% grounded on the life and the power and the truth of Jesus. Joshua, step forward. Moses, I pray for Moses' to step forward. People who say, your presence, if your presence doesn't go with us, then then I'm not going. Your presence has to go with us. I've got to have your presence. It's the only thing that defines success in my life is the presence of Jesus. Moses, step forward. I pray for Elisha's and Elijah's, the prophets of old, that their spirit would be revived once again in this generation, that you would release double portions on their lives, double portions on this generation, Jesus. I pray for Jonathan's armor bearer. Woo, Jonathan's armor bearer. Yes, yeah, step forward. It's not sexy, but it's you. You got to step forward. You're protecting the, the, whole, the whole church. That's you. Regardless of the cost, you're going to charge the enemy's line. You're going to charge the enemy's line. You're going to say, Jesus, I am with you, heart and soul. That's you, Jonathan. I pray for Ezekiel's to rise up. Someone who can call out the dry bones to live once again. Ezekiel's, rise up. Step forward. Take your place. This is time. I pray for Esther's to rise up. The favor of the king. I met one last night. She's running for U.S. Congress. Esther's are rising up. She is a bold, powerful Christian, and she's going to win. U.S. Congress, Esthers are rising up. If that's you, step forward. We need the favor of the earthly kings because you carry the king of kings within you. Nehemiah's, you're rebuilding the walls. The walls need to be rebuilt. The cities need to be rebuilt. Step forward, Nehemiah. Ezra's, you're rebuilding the temple. Some of you are literally doing that right now at at, at Oak Street. Ezra's, rebuild the temple. Step forward. That's you. John the Baptist. Whoo. Woo! People that will call for repentance to turn, to turn, to turn back to Jesus. The evangelist who makes straight the way of the Lord. John the Baptist step forward and you know what? <laughs> you might have to sacrifice your head. It comes at a cost. But you're stepping forward because you don't love your life even unto death. David's. Oh God, we need the heart of David. David, step forward. A heart of repentance, a heart that's 100% after you, not 99.9, but 100%. That's the heartbeat that you're coming back for, Jesus. David, step forward. Holy Spirit, I prophesy that you would ignite the dreams that you started within these people that have stepped forward, that you would ignite the passion once again that there would not be any lukewarm, but they would burn hot for you. Rise up, people of God. This is your testimony. You're walking out your testimony. You're walking out your testimony. You are a living testimony. You defeated him by the blood of the Lamb, thank you, Jesus, by the word of your testimony. You didn't love your life, even unto death. We saw Satan fall like lightning. But we don't rejoice because of that. We can crush his head. We rejoice because our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's why we don't fear death because we have life everlasting with you. If you don't know Jesus this morning, you simply turn to him. You you take your heart, you stop walking towards the evil one or walking your own path and you walk towards him. Right now you just turn in your heart, say, Jesus, I'm yours, take me. Done. In that moment you are sealed with him. You are bought with a price. You are seated now in heavenly places where you belong. Your spirit is sealed. The evil one cannot snatch you from the hand of Jesus. I want to talk to you afterwards if that's you. Church, let's sing this out. My testimony, you are a living, breathing testimony of the Word of God.